occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. <laughs> hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 67. I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses today. Here we are. Moving house, maybe. Yeah, for those of you that were worried about our awful living circumstances <laughs> for, the, for the past few months, <laughs> for the past six months, we've been looking at some flats. We saw a really nice one today. Hopefully they will have us. Maybe. Maybe they'll Google us and be like, wow, what terrible people. We should never let them live here. They're like, oh, what lamos. Anyway. What are you covering today, Kate? This week, I'll be telling you about the Halifax Slasher. That is a slasher in Halifax. What are you, what are you covering? I'm covering the BTK killer. Yeah, I know, because I wrote on Patreon what it was, and I nearly wrote BTS killer. BFG killer. No. He's big and friendly. He's also a giant. Thank you. <laughs> For everyone that's stuck on that. Anyways, yeah, this is a true crime episode, so it's going to be a little more mellow. Heavy is what you mean, not mellow. Oh, yeah. I meant, like, less funny. Uh-huh. But mellow was the wrong word. I see now that I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> okay, before you dig your hole any deeper. The hole is dug and I'm in it. I'm going to tell you about the news this week. So have you heard people online being like, the world's not real? Because when was the last time you saw a worm? Yes, I have actually. Right? Because uh, when was the last time you saw a worm? Exactly. And I know that's a very bizarre and specific question, but I promise it's relevant to this week's news. For those of you that haven't seen a worm in the flesh recently, you should head on down to New Jersey. Mm, I don't know how accessible that is for me right now. You should go right now. My current circumstances. To New Jersey. There's a pandemic. On March the 25th, a woman saw hundreds of worms gathering together on a path near the Hudson River. Although that's kind of weird anyway, it doesn't quite constitute weird news. Yeah, right? what are they all doing? Well, what was even weirder is that they were aligned as if they were in a worm tornado, or appropriate, <laughs> yeah, or appropriately named by LiveScience.com, a wormnado. Oh my god, like Sharknado. Yeah. But way less scary. Everything's More happening now. just kind of gross. <laughs> 2021 isn't as scary as 2020, but it's still kind of gross. The conspiracy theorists among us have speculated that possibly the worms were performing a ritual for the worm moon that came around on the 28th of March. Is that why the moon was so pretty? Yeah. It was the worm moon? It was the worm moon. My astrology app told me nothing about that. <laughs> you mean it wasn't proclaiming from the rooftops that the worm moon was nigh? It was like, stay inside today. The worm moon is here. <laughs> Unless you are a worm, please remain seated. Oh, scientists think that they were just herding in an odd fashion after heavy rainfall, because apparently the rain was heavy that morning. But after only a few hours, the worms had vanished. Whoa! Yeah, so who knows? Worm ritual? Maybe we live in the Matrix, or maybe worms just like swirly circles. If we do live in the Matrix, can you imagine being like, hmm, the humans are getting a bit bored. Why don't we chuck in a worm tornado? Wormnado. And someone's like, what do you mean, boss? And they're like, are you stupid? You know. You've seen the Sharknado movie? That, but with worms. Don't be an idiot. Yeah, no, they weren't like flying around, but they created like a sort of um, 
like a like tornado. A spiral? Yeah, like a spiral on That's the ground. That's so strange. And there were hundreds of them. If you Google worm tornado New Jersey, you will see exactly what I have seen. Is it huge? There's like hundreds of worms. Hold on, I'm going to Google this. Okay. And apparently worms herd normally anyway to avoid drowning in heavy rainfall. So sometimes you might just see a bunch of worms, like a like a like a an oblong of worms. That's a lot of worms. She's just found the photo. Yeah. There's a bunch of worms. What? I know. They look like a thumbprint. Yeah. Maybe I don't I don't know what I was gonna Maybe say. Maybe the worms are God's thumbprint. I was gonna say that and then I thought it sounded really stupid, but I'm really glad that you did. You're welcome. I'm I'm here. I'm the stupid one. Hi, <laughs> welcome back to Myths Magic and Murder. I'm Abby and that's And I'm f- just the stupid one <laughs> that's my dumb in the friend. corner. She won't let me leave. Okay. You got anything else to cover before we get into the new the new the, the new stories? Get into I guess. the new the stories. No, no, worm circle, worm nado was all I had to share with you this week. Well, now that we've discovered the worm nado, I guess we'll talk about some crimes. Horrifying murders. Which is the best way to start a podcast, really, isn't it? Yeah. So this week's true crime episode, I'm covering serial killer Dennis Rader, also known as the BTK killer, or the Bind, Torture, Kill killer, which is an incredibly charming nickname. Mm. Maybe not. I don't think it's one you would want from, you know, when high schools are like, most likely to, you do not want that one. Yeah, you want like, all I could think of was was ugly. <laughs> most likely to ugly. That's me. me. That's what they called me. <laughs> Actually, I think when we did it in college, I was most likely to get arrested, which was, was kind of insulting, honestly. I was a bit upset about it. I honestly don't remember what mine was. It was something to do with me being apathetic, but I wasn't listening. You know, now that we've both said that, it makes us sound like really bad people to do this true crime podcast. <laughs> I promise we are nice, not apathetic, and are not doing anything illegal. I am apathetic, but not towards horrendous crimes. Good to know. Disclaimer before we get started, this is obviously true crime. The victims in this case are, some of them are children, but I won't be discussing anything too uncomfortable or graphic. Also, my one is totally okay. What does that mean? Trust me on this, guys. I would not let you down. My one is completely okay. So if you want to skip through. Why have you just, like, oh my god. (laughs) Why have you just, (laughs) sorry, describe that as okay. Like, you should listen to my podcast. It's just fine. No, I mean my story. It's not going to scar you. It's fine. Okay. Well, let's get into this. My sources are biography.com, Good Housekeeping, Wikipedia, All That's Interesting, Britannica, and ABC News. Dennis was born on the 9th of March, 1945, and was one of four sons. Sources claim that his parents paid little attention to him, and they worked long hours, I'm not sure whether you think, as someone with a degree in psychology, that would cause someone to become a serial killer, but that's what was was written on his sources. No, that's bollocks. That's pretty much every latchkey kid, and you do not see every mum from the 70s killing. True. You know what I mean? I feel like trauma is the only real indicator, and you've got that like pyramid of stuff, bedwetting, killing animals, the other one that I literally every time forget. Ah, here she is, the best psychology graduate. (laughs) Kate. Yeah, but I think uh, trauma in childhood definitely is a precursor. But I think just being ignored as a kid, I don't know. I guess it depends how bad. Fair enough. 
Well, Dennis did himself later say that he resented his mother because he felt ignored by her. So it must have played a part in his development in some way. But also, we don't know the full extent of his childhood. Yeah. We just know what his, he said about it. So, From a young age, he had sexual and intense fantasies that included asphyxiation, voyeurism, and bondage. All of which would be fine if they were like done with good intentions, but as you may have guessed from the fact that this man is a serial killer, Dennis did not grow to have good intentions. He would often spy on his female neighbours while dressed in women's clothing that he'd stolen, and he'd tie himself, tie himself up in ropes for masturbation purposes. Also, he tortured and killed small animals. Oh, yikes, there it is. There it is, there that's it the is. one. Did he wet the bed? Poss- I didn't say. Did he do the one other thing? How would I know? Because remember. I don't know what it is. Oh, every time. If it comes to you, I'll try and confirm or deny that. However, after he graduated high school, he was a law-abiding, everyday citizen. He attended university in Kansas, but he dropped out to poor grades, and instead enlisted in the United States Air Force for around four years before being discharged in 1970. I just looked it up because I'm the fakest psychology person ever. The other one's arson. I don't think he did any arson, from what I could see. Ah, good. But that's interesting to, to note for further cases. Yeah, it's called the McDonald triad and it's bedwetting harming animals and arson the more you know Mm -hmm. later he returned to college and achieved an associate degree in electronics and later a bachelor's degree in administration of justice so clearly a smart guy Mm -hmm. he also held a fair few jobs he worked in the same supermarket as had oh my god he worked in the same supermarket as his mother selling meat and also worked in a few other positions, such as a product assembler in a factory, a security alarm installer, and a dog catcher. All quite random. However, while he worked as a dog catcher, his neighbours suggested that he was overly strict and took pleasure in bullying the single women in the area. One neighbour had also complained that Dennis had killed her dog with no explanation. Oh, Dennis, pack it in. But he continued to live a normal life nonetheless. He married a woman named Paula Dietz, and the couple had two children together, Kerry and Brian. People, including his wife and kids, thought that Dennis was a normal family man and they had an average, stable American family. They always do, hon. It's true. You never get someone on the news that's like, I fucking knew he was a creep. You know what I mean? I know. It's interesting as well because people reported that he was a bit sketchy, but no one thought that he was like a bad person. Yeah, sketchy is completely different. Like, we probably look sketchy in this apartment building. Why? I don't know. I'm just always like roaming around. We live here. Yeah. Why was that? Okay. Yeah, but like, I feel like I get guilty. What are you doing that I'm not doing? <laughs> I get guilty whenever someone sees me going through the mail. It's She's my... just stood in the hallway it, looking. It's my mail. I can go through it, but I'm like. Actually, yeah. When I go through the mail, I'm like, people People think I'm broken in here. Yeah. It's because there's a security camera right on it. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to know, you know? And I always check that my mail hasn't like gone in someone else's slot. Like, either side of mine. So I'm like, oh my god, they're going to know. They're going to think I'm an actual thief. I'm going to go to prison. Yeah, so that's that's separate, I think, from uh, committing all of these crimes. But I appreciate you being honest. Yeah, just so that everyone knows. Kate isn't a male thief. I'm not. If you live in the same building as us and you see Kate, <laughs> she's not a male thief. If you live in the same thief. building as us, get out while you still can. Dennis was also president of the church council. He was a Boy Scout leader, and he was well-respected in his community. 
don't trust anyone that's well respected in their community you got that much time on your hands what are you doing true also Creepy. though i feel like maybe it's just because i've never lived with like in a community i guess but i've never been in a community like well respected in a community yeah well to be fair you were goth <laughs> the older people are afraid of you okay yeah that was that is that is true and now you're grumpy no one comes mm. to you and asks for help it's I'm just a cycle of not having any friends yeah i think i look sketchy but also friendly people approach me but i will never be able to be a well-respected member of the community i feel like no one will ever respect me in the community oh and that's just the truth oh hard life what Dennis's family and neighbours didn't know is that he was a murderer and his first kills happened just three years after he married his wife. There it is. On the 15th of January, 1974, Dennis broke into the home of the Otero family and killed four members of it. Joseph and his wife, Julie, and also their two kids, Joseph Jr. and Josephine. The bodies were discovered in the fam- by the family's three older children who'd been in school at the time of the killings. It's unclear why the other kids were home at the time, but... They were. Maybe they were just like sick or something. Semen was found at the crime scene, but none of the bodies showed any sign of sexual assault. So they thought that the murderer had sort of become aroused from the crime. Ew. Dennis stole a watch from the home as a souvenir, which would later become something that he did often, just taking souvenirs from his crimes for some reason. Yeah, people just do that, like psychopaths and stuff. It's like a trophy. It happens a lot. Yeah, I've heard of that before. Yeah. There was no clear motive for him wanting to kill these people. There was no, like, revenge or, like, rights to wrongs to be written. But I guess, like, the mother, Julie, had also worked for the same faculty that Dennis did at one point. So it's possible he just targeted her from there and just decided that he was going to kill her. So just, like, a crime of opportunity rather than a crime of passion. Yeah, just because he wanted to kill someone and he knew where she lived, maybe. Yeah. Later that year... Dennis wrote a letter that described the murder in detail and stashed it inside of an engineering book in a public library to talk the, taunt the police. In this letter, he decided that his name would be the BTK killer, and it stuck. Which I think is kind of shitty, like I know it's probably easy to sort of pin it all on one name, but he requested this name specifically and they were like, yeah okay that's you then. Right, don't let the bastard pick his own name apparently he threw about a bunch of different suggestions in the letter he was like you could call me this or this and they were like yeah we'll pick this one no just call him like the loser pissy pants yeah Yeah. bully him we've said this before if you bully him he might not might not do it anymore if you bully him enough he will come forward you heard it here first from psychologist kate (laughs) if you bully criminals they'll come forward please don't do that but honestly like i know that it sounds really stupid but if people like attention from doing these kind of crimes and you're giving them like a, a a dramatic sort of name, would that not encourage them to do it more because th- they like want the the fame of it? I think part of it would be like playing up to them, you know, making them feel like the police are so stupid and he is so smart so that he slips up because that's the same with a lot of killers. They seem to be just narcissists. So I guess if you're like, wow, what a clever name, such a clever guy, he's going to be like, oh, thanks. Like, I want you all to know it's me. Well, I guess that's true because that's kind of how they solved him in the end. But we'll get to the absolute absurdity of that in a few minutes. (laughs) 
But yeah, it's a weird dilemma. It kind of suggests that he's doing it for attention, kind of like the Zodiac Killer, where he was just sending out stuff to be like, I'm super smart and you'll never catch me. Yeah. Dennis then waited a few months until April 4th when he targeted 21-year-old Catherine Bright. She reportedly also worked for the factory, so again, the same sort of idea. He broke into her apartment to wait for her and she was fatally stabbed. Her brother Kevin was in the apartment at the time of the crime, and he was shot twice by Dennis, but he managed to escape and survive. Oh my god, great Which is job. amazing. He was able to tell the police that the killer was an average-sized guy with a bushy moustache and psychotic eyes. Which is a pretty accurate description, I'd say. You say bushy? You mean bushy? Bushy? That's so funny. Bushy. Yeah, it's bushy, not bushy. Bushy moustache. Yeah. Bushy. Okay, you got it. Good job. It was another three years before Dennis struck again. In March of 1977, he broke into the home of Shirley Vian and locked her and her children in the bathroom. He then tied Shirley up and strangled her. In December of the same year, he killed Nancy Fox using the same method of murder, and he also called the, rep- the police to report the murder right afterwards. Oh, that's the worst. That really get you going, that one? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, don't, you know, kill people. That is awful in itself. But It's cocky, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, when, like, the police have spoken to them, I cannot imagine what is more frustrating than being on the phone to a serial killer after they've just killed someone because they're telling you that they've just killed someone. Yeah. Also, get this, if you didn't think this guy was craving attention enough... He sent a poem to the local TV station to try and get some media coverage. He explained that he was responsible for killing Shirley and Nancy and wrote, you probably call me psychotic with sexual perversion hang up, which is bizarre. Like He really wanted the attention. Ew. He also wrote that he'd killed Catherine and the family and demanded media attention. In fact, he said in his letter, how many more people do I have to kill before I get a name in the paper or some national attention? Oh my god, that is just sheer desperation. He was desperate, yeah. That is, my parents never loved me as a kid and I need attention. Oh, so it is, it is related? No, I think maybe that's what he was sort of playing on, you know. Possibly. Um, because the kid was obviously smart. He grew up to be an asshole, but he was obviously a very smart kid and starved of attention is probably what made him so needy as a killer but it probably did not mean that that's why he turned into a killer that's that makes a lot of sense he also wrote in his letter that he was motivated to kill by factor x which he described as a supernatural force that also motivated other serial killers such as jack the ripper this obviously set up a panic because everyone started worrying then that this killer was amongst them and bear in mind, like, he was amongst them because at this point he was happily married to his wife, mm. who was pregnant, and they already had a toddler together, oh and he God. was in uni. So everyone was just like, well, this is just a normal guy. I think that's even worse because, obviously, in order to get pregnant, you've got to have sex, which means that she was having sex with a guy that was going around killing everyone, but also you'd be like, what was he thinking about while we were having sex? That's true, I never thought about that. If there was semen at a crime scene... That's disgusting. Two years after this sort of broke the news, Dennis attempted to kill 63-year-old Anna Williams. He broke into her home to kill her, but she managed to avoid her death by coming home really late. So basically, Anna was visiting her friends that evening, and she didn't return home for many hours. 
Dennis became irritated and impatient because he waited at her house for hours to kill her and he ended up just leaving because he was getting just annoyed. Oh my God, great job. Although apparently he was, quote, absolutely livid that she'd evaded him because he'd been obsessed with the thought of killing her for a while. She just, he would just like, I'm just going to leave. You're taking too long now. I love that she was just out with her mates, just having a good time. And he was just pissed off. Right? And then he didn't try again. He just dropped it then. Oh, good for her. Yeah. He then laid low for a while until 1985. So Dennis had been keeping black plastic sheets and other materials at the family church because he was the president of the church council. And then he murdered 53-year-old Maureen Hedge and took her body to the church to take photos of her before using his prepared plastic sheets to wrap her body in and take them to a ditch. He then attempted to stalk other women, but two of them were able to get restraining orders against him, and one of them managed to change addresses to completely avoid him, which is just wonderful. But then the last murder that police knew was committed by him happened in 1991, when he murdered 62-year-old Dolores Davis in her home. For a while, it seemed like the killer had successfully avoided prison or any consequences at all, and the police struggled to find literally anything to go off of. They had some DNA, but they couldn't match it with anyone. Mm. So in, tw- in 2004, it was considered to be a cold case. However, Dennis was so desperate for attention that he hated that the police had given up, and this ended up leading to his arrest. <laughs> this is just... Oh my God, just pack it in. I mean, I'm glad that he fucked about and I'm presuming got caught, but just stop. So the police thought this was a cold case at this point, and a local newspaper was given the clear to write about the murders on like the 30th anniversary of the first murder. And the newspaper suggested that the killer had died or been imprisoned at this point. And people started to forget about it, and Dennis was enraged with this. Oh no. So he responded by communicating with the local media 11 times. Oh my god, that's excessive. He's desperate. He sent, in, he sent in evidence for a murder he committed in 1986, the murder of Vicky Weagle. At the time, the police didn't even know that he'd done that murder. They didn't connect it with him at all. Oh my God. But he clearly didn't like that he hadn't been credited for it, so he sent the media a photocopy of her driver's license that he'd stolen and photos of the crime scene. Oh so they God. were like, okay, it's you. But once they had sort of, you know, back, in, back when the murder was committed, they found traces of DNA under her fingernails and they saved it but oh they God. didn't they didn't know what they were going to do with it yes so for the next year he sent packages to the media enclosed in cereal boxes people think it's because he's a serial killer i don't know <laughs> if that's true though maybe it's because you're boring but they can <laughs> what okay they contain souvenirs that he'd collected photographs of bodies descriptions of the murders also dolls that looked like the victims and drawings oh And then he made the dumbest move I have ever heard in any true crime case we've covered. And it really made me laugh when I read it. Like, it's just, I mean, I'm I'm really glad that he he got caught because the victims deserve justice, but I just cannot believe he did this. So in January 2005, Dennis wrote yet another letter to the police and the media asking them if he sent them a floppy disk with photos on it, would they be able to trace it? So they were like... No, no, we Dennis. can't do that. What? Of course not, Dennis. Of course we can't do that. Are you silly? So no. then he sent them it. Dennis. And they obviously traced it immediately to the church because it had a Word document on it that was marked as last modified at the church. 
but he thought he deleted that. Oh, Dennis. Good God. Can you imagine? He was like, are you guys, can, can you like figure out who who wrote that? And they were like, nah, of course not. And he was like, okay. That's like going into a pub and being like, can you guys tell fake IDs? I'm like, no. Right? And they're like, here you go. I'm like, that's a fake ID. <laughs> what are you doing, Dennis? I thought you were smart. He I didn't thought think he you were good, that. but I thought you were smarter than this. It's Oh, it's insane. So the police were pretty sure it was Dennis at that point. You know, they kind of had enough evidence to go off. Yeah, they had a word file saying the BTK killer is Dennis. <laughs> but they needed to be sure. Luckily, his daughter had recently had a pap smear at the university clinic. So they gained access to test her DNA from that and sort of compare it to the DNA they found under the woman's fingernails. Oh my God, yes. Under Vicky's fingernails. And it showed that it, the killer was related to her. And then they managed the DNA test Dennis and it was perfect. So then he just confessed to it. There was little effort. He was just like, yeah, I did that. But he was shocked and bewildered and, and really pissed that the police had lied to him uh, about the floppy disk. Oh my God, Dennis, you've killed people. He was charged with 10 counts of first degree murder and was sent to life in prison in solitary confinement without parole. Good. On his trial, he apologised to the families of the victims in a 30-minute rambling monologue that the prosecutor likened to an Academy Awards speech. At that point, you just wouldn't want to hear it. Yeah, well, apparently he didn't at first. He only did after the victims, like, were uh, the families were obviously visibly upset. Ugh. The psychologist assigned to him diagnosed him with narcissistic, antisocial, and obsessive compulsive disorders. And they also described him as a psychopath. Fair. His wife was granted an emergency divorce from him upon, like, finding out about the news. And his daughter Carrie released a best-selling memoir about her personal struggles regarding all of this. She Good says you, that her Carrie. family have moved on, they're embracing a new star, and they're hoping to continue healing after finding out about Dennis. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. So, you know. And that's all I have. Not going to do a scare skill, obviously, but what are your thoughts about this? Well, my thoughts are that Dennis is an idiot and also a bit of a dick. Truth. Mm. I feel so sorry for the victims, obviously, because they're victims, but also because the man was an idiot. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to get a slow clap for killing people. I just cannot believe that, like, this guy had gotten away with ten murders. And he handed in a floppy disk with a word file saying it was last modified at a church that he worked at. Yes. Like, that is... That's a next level. If he'd have just... They were, they were like, it's a cold case. If he was just like, oh my God, I've gotten away with it. No one would have known, probably for for a really long time, possibly for his whole life, he could have just continued to live a normal life. Obviously, I'm really glad that he didn't and that they did catch him. But yeah. what the hell? He was just like, mm, it was me. And then it's he like, was in how prison. How dare you think I'm dead or in prison? Right. And he now would he rather is. everyone know. Yeah, now he's in prison. He's 78, I think. Wow. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm actually baffled. I can't. All right, we'll just move swiftly on. If you like the podcast and you want to follow us on social media, you can do that at Myths Magic Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, if you want to see some exclusive content that isn't on anywhere else, then you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Myths Magic Murder. Over on Patreon, we give you guys video content we are currently doing behind the scenes for this very episode. And we tell you little extra stories every month. We give you polls. We see what you want to see. And we chat to you. It's like a little super secret social club. Fun community. Yeah, it's a nice time. 
And if you want our merchandise, if you're a patron, you get 10% off. And I believe that there is a spring sale currently. There is currently a spring sale until Easter for everyone. It's 20% off with the code SPRINGSALE. And you can check that out over on our website, mythsmagicandmurder.com. Yeah, just click on the merch button. Yeah. And if you have any requests or any spooky stories that you want to tell us about, there are buttons for those on the website itself as well. And if you have any haunted happenings, terrifying tales, or spooky stories, you can email those over to us on mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com. Woo! Okay, good. Tell me yours then. I'm excited to see what this okay story is. It's okay. Don't worry. Oh, right. Okay. So my sources are Wikipedia, historyandheadlines.com, yorkshirepost.co.uk, bankofengland.co.uk, Halifax Courier, calderdale-online.org. So the Halifax Slashers history begins on November 16th in 1938. You might have heard of Halifax before because of the bank. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually a minster town in West Yorkshire that has a current population of somewhere over 90,000. And it was likely to have had a reasonably high population even back in the 1930s, as it was previously a hub for coal and textile industries. In the 20s and 30s, though, there was mass unemployment and tensions were high because those industries had just been neglected by the UK. Interestingly, Halifax is also known because back in the 16th century, they invented the gibbet, which was a precursor to the later guillotine. Wow, that's cool fascinating. That, right? What a very obscure piece of knowledge. Yeah. You're welcome. Now you can you can tell your friends that and they'll think you're really cool. They'll think I'm shady still they and will, not they respectable. Will, yeah. Anyway, enough of my history lesson. On the 16th of November 1938, two ladies, Mary Gladhill and Gertrude Watts, were walking together down Old Bank Lane. They were then attacked from behind by a man with a mallet, which is like a hammer. Somehow these women were able to escape, although their heads had wounds that were bleeding all over them. They went to the nearest house to tell someone what happened, obviously get them to phone the police. They filed a report, and they said that the only identifiable feature was that their attacker was wearing shoes with bright buckles on. Interesting. Bright buckles? Yeah. Like, glowing? No, like, I guess like shiny, you know what I mean? Right, okay. Recently shined buckles. I was imagining like light-up shoes. Oh my god, no. Back in the 1930s. That's what I was confused for. Glow-in-the-dark shoes. He was wearing Heelys. <laughs> Obviously, since it was two ladies just walking down the street in broad daylight, the newspapers were like, oh shit, we've got to spread awareness of this. So the Halifax Courier said, Until the person responsible is found and dealt with, there is not likely to be much peace of mind. That's it. Okay. Which I think is the most blindingly obvious wishy-washy statement that anyone's ever said about a full-on mallet attack. True. True. That's one way of putting it. Just, yeah, everyone's going to be pretty stressed out now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> now for the weather. Five days went by until there was another attack, so the 21st of November, on the corner of Lister Lane and Francis Street. The victim was Mary Sutcliffe, and she was returning home from her job as a sweet packager at the Macintosh's factory on Queen's Road. You might know this company instead as the ones who create Quality Street, Rolo, and more. Mm. Mm. 
Mary was attacked by a knife or a razor. And when I say razor, I don't mean like Gillette leg shaven razor. I mean like Sweeney Todd cutthroat razor. Okay. I was imagining Venus. Yeah. <laughs> but again, she was able to escape. She wasn't uninjured though and needed stitches for a wound on her lower arm. She described her attacker as being mid 20 to mid 30s and also said he had prominent eyes. Okay. Mm, as opposed to hidden eyes. Yeah. So the killer has eyes and, and, and shoe shoes. buckles. And he is an age. Mm, we're really narrowing it down here. Since Mary had been cut in this way, the newspapers then coined the attacker as the Halifax Slasher, rather than the Halifax Malator. Just three days after this, on the 24th, there was another incident, and this time it was on Jasper Street. Here, Clayton Aspinall, who was a caretaker of a church, was waiting to see if anyone else was turning up to the church meeting, so he was like holding the door open. Then, out of the door, he saw a man running from a nearby street towards the church. He reported that, sorry, Clayton reported that he'd moved backwards out of the man's way so that he didn't just barrel straight into him. But as he did so, he was bashed on the head with a mallet. Luckily, he again survived. He told authorities that the attacker had well-brushed ginger hair, which I think is sweet that he gave him that little compliment. I know, right? He could have just said he was ginger. Yeah, right? His no. beautiful eyes, gorgeous long locks, ginger hair. I love it. The very next day, the headlines of the Halifax Courier read that there was a £10 reward up for grabs upon the successful like, detainment of the Halifax slasher. Do you want to guess how much that would be in real money? How much was it? £10. Hmm. Oh, Jesus. 1930? I literally don't know. Did you figure it out? £688.33. That it? It's a tenner, Ab. I was going to say, like, a grand. Oh, my God. It was it was like the late th it was thirty eight. Oh right, that isn't that far ago. Jesus. Anyway, it's a reasonable reward. Due to the reward, the town was filled with vigilantes looking to bring the slasher in and get their reward. However, as everyone knows, vigilante justice is super flawed. So loads of people were just getting beaten up on the streets and businesses were shutting down because people were just afraid of the slasher as they were the vigilantes, so it was just absolute hell. This is a nightmare. On this same day as the reward was posted, so the 25th of November, Percy Waddington had been attacked around 9pm, just outside the co-op that he managed. And he was just trying to get home with his fish and chips. Yeah. Hilda Lodge was also out on this night, and was going to a grocery store near her home when she was attacked on the way. She claimed that as she got to a street corner, an arm came around the wall. I think there was a mallet in the hand of said arm. It could have been a razor, though. It was like some form of weapon. And, quote unquote, someone aimed a blow at her. Hilda ran to a nearby neighbour and explained what had happened. She was checked over, but luckily her wounds were only superficial, and they were on her face and forearms. Remember those vigilante mobs I was talking about? I sure do. Well, Clifton Edwards was out on the hunt for the attacker, but I guess he did something shady because the vigilante group turned against him and beat him up, yelling things like, kill the bastard, and break his fucking neck, which obviously got the attention of local police, 
who eventually pulled the mob off of Clifton. Then on the 27th, there was another attack on Bedford Street. Oh, sorry, Bedford Street North, to be more specific. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. The attack involved Beatrice Sorrell. So she and her boyfriend, Michael Higgins, were both 19, and they'd just parted ways near a field, and Beatrice headed home. On her journey, she was sliced on the hand, so she ran to a local fire station for safety and to report what had happened. Was this guy trying to kill people? Was his aim just terrible, or did he just want to slash him a bit? <sighs> Dunno. Because it sounds like he's doing like just incredibly minor injuries and for like no reason, right? Besides the first one, which was quite bad, but then they were okay, right? Yeah, they lived. It's like I'm just gonna slice your foot. Whoa, Whoa. chickity cha! Like for for what? I'm gonna give you a paper cut. Okay, maybe he just has bad aim. As with many of the other locations, the police could find no clues to aid them in their investigation to find out who was the Halifax slasher. On this same evening, so the same evening that Beatrice Sorrell was attacked, the 27th, Fred Baldwin was a 15-year-old boy who was walking alongside his bicycle when he was attacked by a group of nearly 50 drunken vigilantes who were suspicious of him for not riding his bike and instead walking alongside it. Right. Apparently the person that started the attack was one of his neighbours and knew him. Just didn't like him then, yeah. maybe. If you're curious, his light wasn't working on the front of his bike, and that's why he was walking next to it. Luckily the poor kid survived. He was beaten up pretty badly, but I guess it gives you an idea of just how paranoid everyone was. And according to papers at the time, it was all anyone was talking about. Like every conversation would keep coming back to it and everyone was fearful for their own safety. Then on November 28th, another incident occurred on Long Lover Lane. That sounds romantic. Is the lane long or is the lover long? Hmm. Sounds like a tongue twister, doesn't it? Yeah. Constance Wood was just about to enter her home when a man in a raincoat walked by her. He knocked her to the ground and she felt a sharp ground, sorry, not ground, and she felt a sharp pain on her arm, causing her to yell for help. Neighbours came over to her and she told them what had happened, which then caused vigilante mobs to start attacking random men nearby who were also wearing raincoats. So just all a bit of a shit show, really. Then came November 29th, 1938, which turned out to be the final day with any Halifax slasher attacks. So this has been, like, two weeks. Oh, gosh. The slasher grabbed Margaret Kenny from behind, but Margaret wasn't having any of it and fought off the attacker. She then went to report this to the authorities and described the man as well-built with a broad face, wearing very lightweight shoes and what felt like a dirty Macintosh. As well as Margaret's attack, Mary Sutcliffe from the earlier attack reported a second attack on this date as well. And Winifred McCall was also attacked, so it was a busy final day for the Halifax slasher. Similar things were later reported around Manchester and Bradford, and at the beginning of December there were even some claims as far as London. Before I tell you what happened next, who do you think's likely to be behind this? Like, what kind of person would you expect from having covered true crimes before? I don't know. It's kind of thrown me off a bit, partly because um, the guy in the church was hit 
which means that he's not just going after women. Mm-hmm. Also, he's not really he's not killing anyone. Yeah, he's just causing minor injuries and then leaving. Well, like some of the injuries have needed stitches. Yeah, but it sounds like more of an inconvenience. You know what I mean? Like yeah. scary, obviously scary because you don't know if he's going to hurt you badly or whether he's going to like you know att- attempt to kill you. But it just sounds like he's here to just make things a bit bad for a bit and then leave. Like, it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. So the police ended up getting Scotland Yard involved because this was all happening very quickly and people were getting injured and the vigilantes just weren't helping anything and they were super out of hand. Yeah, it's strange that it's all happening so fast as well. It's kind of like he wants to be caught, sort of. Yeah. At first, they thought that James Leonard was the Halifax slasher because he had been convicted of stalking and slashing the clothes of six women in town just 11 years prior. However, they changed their mind about it being him because he had a really big nose. And the police were like, well, no one's mentioned a ginormous nose, so it can't be him. That's fair enough. Maybe. I mean, I guess it makes sense. If you have like one distinguishing feature. Get absolutely wrecked, James. Your nose is so big, you can't be the Halifax slasher. <laughs> That's an insult. You wouldn't be able to get that close to a woman because your big nose would keep getting in the way, James. Then it all went a bit weird. Because Percy Waddington, who had been previously known as a victim of the slasher, recanted his statement and admitted he'd actually just hurt himself. Oh. So, okay, that's fine. The police were just having to take one less victim into account. Yeah, it's a waste of time and resources and illegal, but whatever, Percy, you do you. Then, a few more people came forward saying that they weren't victims either and that they had hurt themselves. Oh my god. And eventually, every report bar three was found to be fake. Five people were charged with public mischief offences and four were sent to prison. Oh my god, they just made it up? The whole town? That's it. What? At the end of all that, it turns out the Halifax slasher was just mass hysteria within the town. And the only ones who actually harmed another person were the vigilantes. That's insane. That's crazy. What? The later reports from Manchester, Bradford and London were all ignored and life in Halifax continued as normal. People just made it up. People were just blaming their injuries on other things. Yeah. That's... That's wild. I had no idea. Yeah, which is why all of the injuries were like either to the face or the arms, because like it's easy to injure. You know what I mean? If you want to like get in on it, it's crazy. That is wild. People have since said that the people of Halifax were experiencing valley bottom fever, which is basically seasonal affective disorder for the whole town. So as soon as autumn comes around, people of Halifax have said that their houses are pretty much in darkness for six months of the year which can lead to feelings of claustrophobia and paranoia. And it all could have joined together to make the Halifax slasher and to to make it be such a widely reported thing. You've blown my mind with that. I know. But really, though, no one knows why it happened. And there have been other events in history like this. Wow. How fascinating. Yeah. That's so strange. That's why I said it was an okay one. I was like, I see it now. Yeah, this one's fine. Everyone was fine. There were no real victims of this. No, it was all fake. One big faker, the whole town was in on it. Yeah. I can't believe that started mobs. People got beat up for no reason. Yeah, people got hurt. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Thought you'd like that. Thank you, Kate. That's okay. And I thought it would give a slightly lighter end. Oh, yeah, for sure. After my one. Yeah. After your horrible one. 
Yes. But that was very interesting. Thank you. Good. What do you what do you think? I just think it's unbelievable. Right? <laughs> that that could be even a thing that happens to the point where they give them like a spooky name and it's like, ooh. It makes sense as to why they were just being madly inconvenienced though. So I was wondering why someone would go around just like sort of hurting people. Yeah. And then leaving. Who would why? For what? Right? But that makes a lot more sense. Although yeah. it is very strange. It is. Let us know what, what you guys think at home about the Halifax Slasher. Yeah, and um, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate that. Helps other people find us easier. Oh, and also, don't listen before bed. Listen before bed. <laughs> <laughs>